This episode is brought to you by 2020, where creatives go to get inspiring and authentic stock photos. If you're tired of scrolling through uninspiring, staged images, check out 2020. Their images are crowdsourced from real-world photographers, and you can choose from millions of high-quality photos available under a simple, royalty-free license. Today, 2020 is offering TGD Podcast listeners a free trial of five photos so you can see for yourself. To start your trial, go to 2020.com slash TGD. That's the word 20, then 20.com slash TGD to get your first five photos free. Thank you, 2020. This is the Great Discontent Podcast. This conversation was recorded in front of a studio audience at the Wythe Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, as part of TGD Live, a monthly interview event series. Your lovely and well-dressed host for the night was Tina S. Maker. Enjoy the show. So I am going to bring up our first guest tonight. She is a visual designer and artist from Portland, Oregon, living in Brooklyn, New York. Her vibrant and clean style has been described as dreamlike, energetic, and mysterious. She injects her aesthetic into various branding and product design projects, and she teaches mobile design at Parsons School of Design. Please give a warm welcome to Shauna X. Welcome. Hi. Did you bring your drink? No. I feel like I'm, I'm spilling you it can. all over my legs. You're more than welcome. It's dried up by now. Oh, wow. Thanks. Here we go. Thank you. Colin Appreciate brought you that. your drink. Look at oh, that. Wow, Look at that nice service. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's wonderful to have you here tonight. Thanks. I, I've met you before. Yeah. Uh, we actually had drinks on my birthday, which is a story we'll tell another time. Okay. <laughs> um, but I've never interviewed you, so I don't know much about your story. I want to start at the beginning. Oh, my God. So tell me about where you grew up and how your childhood influenced your ideas about creativity. I grew up in Portland. Who's from Portland here? I heard somebody say woo. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I grew up in Portland um, where actually I felt like I grew up in a, in a really interesting place because my family's, I'm Chinese and you know, as a Chinese American, like most of my culture is based a lot on not being creative, being not emotional, being very logical, being like practical and looking towards like, at, you know, to become a doctor and lawyer and all that stuff that we all know that Asian Americans are trying to become. And so I grew up trying, like loving to draw and you know, all the stuff that a lot of creatives like to do. And Portland is a place that really fosters weirdness, I would say, because they're just, it's like a very open environment before Portlandia came along. Honestly, now it's like, I don't even know. I feel like Portlandia is just kind of like fucked it all up. I haven't that's just my own personal point of view. Just That's all. But I anyway. haven't been there since. It's like a very small community and there's a lot, like a very small creative scene. Everyone knows each other, which I really love. But um, yeah, I think Portland is a really good place to foster a lot of that. So I grew up just running around. Um, I was like a really independent kid because my mom was busy working. I just like ran around the streets of Portland. And so, like, figuring out, like, what's going on here and there. And I think I wanted to go into advertising because I thought that was a very good compromise between, you know, something my parents wanted, which is very practical versus creative. And so I studied that at school. And I was also really involved in, like, the student unions. And started being creative because I was starting to do design work in college, like making posters and magazines for like 
I was really involved in like Asian Pacific Student Union, Black Student Union, like all that stuff. My friends started Arab Student Union. So that was a time in a school where it was like 10% diversity and I felt like I really wanted to be involved with different types of people. And um, anyway, that kind of drove me into graphic design in general. Um, my last year when I graduated though, I, had a t I, I took like one class in illustration and the teacher was like, do you wanna try BFA in digital arts? This is like our first program ever. Digital arts is a new thing. You know, it was like 2008, 2009 that was happening. And at that time I had to offer to become a buyer and I was gonna take it because I was like, yes, logical, practical life. And maybe I'll have a condo one day. Like that was like what's going on in my mind, honestly. And then, but my intuition took over and was like, okay, just like try out, like it might be kind of fun. And I took the plunge and took an extra year of school and really got into the design art, the digital arts. And more about digital arts, we were more focused on like concept and thesis and like thinking about why do you make these things this way? Like what is your thought and feeling behind this? Which I never really explored. And honestly, like that really drove the rest of my career, even though I was still battling between my like becoming creative and becoming more practical with what I'm doing. Um, that was always like fundamental in what I was working with. Yeah, so, so let's let's dissect that a little bit. Um, so you drew from a young age and you, I mean, I think we're all creative when we're young, but drawing, right. drawing was the form that your creativity took. Right. And so when it took, when it was time to go to college, did you, was there like a, no, go and do something practical, like doctor, oh, yeah. lawyer, for sure. or you know something yeah. more creative. Like, how how did you make that decision? Was there pressure from your parents? Um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure because I think when you're like 17 and 18, you're like, what am I gonna do with my life? And you let a lot of like what your parents tell you, what society tells you, and that was the time when like forums and internet was starting to become a thing. I think. I mean, that was before, but um, I was always online, like scouring the forums. I was being weird. Um, anyway, but I, I definitely wanted, I, I let those voices guide me, which I felt now, looking back, I appreciate that because I think that was a really valuable experience to understand to like what it feels like to go against your intuition. But now I'm looking, now I'm like looking at life completely differently. So I, I appreciate that period in my life for sure. Yeah. Um, so was your family, was your family like, we're gonna support you, this is what you wanna do? I mean, they were like, all right, sure. And honestly, like, because I'm a woman, on top of that, they were like, okay with it because in their traditionalist mindset, and okay, I'm painting my family in a terrible picture. This is so <laughs> bad. They're not like that because I don't think I would've turned out the way I am if they're that crazy. But they were also dominated by their own traditional hierarchies and like, own mindsets and being immigrants in America, it was really complicated for them and they wanted to see their kids to succeed, obviously. So in their mindset as a woman, it's like, okay, well you can like find a doctor or like marry rich. You don't need to like do something that supports your family. So I had a little less pressure versus my brother. He's 10 years younger than me. They push him to computer science and he hates it. So I'm trying to like get him out of that, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he, he can marry a rich woman. Yeah. Yeah, he can. That's why I told him. I mean, him. women make money too. Seriously. Uh, not as much as men on the dollar, but you know, that's another conversation. Yeah. Um, right. Right. <laughs> so, 
So you moved, so you moved, so you were in Portland, you went to college in Portland. Yeah. And then there was a period of time where you moved from Portland to Chicago. Yeah. And you've spoken about this before in interviews, that that was um, a time where you really struggled creatively and in your career to kind of like find your voice. You were working some regular jobs, things just were not panning out as you had hoped. So will you tell me a little bit about that time in your life professionally and what, what that was like for you? Yeah, I was in advertising. I mean, I'm not talking shit about advertising because I think advertising is great in many ways. But I was working in the advertising field all the time. And honestly, like, Chicago is also in the Midwest. I think Chicago is like a black hole, in my opinion. I love people from Chicago because they're, like, still one of my closest friends. But they're, they have, like, a mentality where, like, nothing touches Chicago. That's just my feeling of being there for two and a half years. And so any sort of like new trends or any sort of like new anything, they're like, nope, I'm Chicago, nah, I'm good. You know, so I feel like, I really feel like um, that, that was what really like held me back. And I started making mom art, I like to call it. Like, <laughs> like seriously, I started making like really cute things like all oh, foxes and like, Aww, like rabbit families and like <laughs> like stuff that was like very sweet and I felt like really, really spoke to the general population because I thought that I wanted to share, as an artist, you want to share your work and you want to have a, an audience of people that respond to it. And when you don't really understand yourself that well, you kind of just go all out, which um, I think that's a good experience anyway, but that's what I did. And because Chicago also was like very... Like it felt like a mom mom vibe. I don't know. Like, which I, okay, I'm not against moms. This sounds like I'm like a hater. I'm not a hater. No, I'm, I'm not I'm a hater. from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Yeah, and I understand. Okay, cool. You it's get just it. a different taste. It's a different. Okay. So, I want to ask about. So you were in Chicago. It was this time, the kind of a dark time for you. Things weren't going great, and yeah. then you decided to move to New York, and you had you you realized that you were much more resilient than you thought. Yeah. So tell me yeah. a little bit about that transformation. And do you think yeah. New York is where you really found your voice and your style and began to grow confident in your work? Or- um, I don't know yet. <laughs> I actually moved here on a whim. I was going through a breakup. It was like a really long breakup. And so I was like, uh, where should I go? Maybe New York, midlife crisis. Like, where, where else would you go, honestly? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's other places. But I was <laughs> expecting to come here. I was expecting to come here for maybe a month. And I like I remember renting like I went on Craigslist and found some like shady ass apartment. It was hella shady. I got in at like two AM and I was like, Where are the keys? And they're like, Oh, I hid it under a staircase and I was like, Cool. Got in, like anyway, that was my first coming to New York experience. I didn't know anybody and I felt like that actually pushed me because being uncomfortable, and I think that's why Chicago really screwed with me because it was so comfortable there. So comfortable, like I was like, oh, this is so easy. And when it's so easy, in my opinion, I feel like as a creative, it doesn't drive you. Um, And I feel like here, because I was so new to the space and I didn't really know anybody, I didn't really understand the dynamic, I um, didn't have a place to live, like that sort of like, disorientation really, really drove me to like a good place that I am now. But I mean, obviously that's gonna fluctuate. But at the same time, like two, year, two years ago when I came here, um, it really set the stage for the rest of my time here, which is really awesome. And you were freelancing at that time or were you working in-house anywhere? Or what um, I was like? freelancing, I started work, I was freelancing because that was just all I knew. I was working with like agencies and then um, 
I was freelancing at a few places here and there, and then I got uh, I accepted an offer at this dating website called OkCupid, okay which is kind of fun. I wanted to try product design because I, I because I thought like product design would be like an interesting endeavor to go into, and so I worked there. But then I d realized like all the jobs I'm working on for the past like seven years on the side I was also drawing constantly and that was always the one thing I always went back into I remember just being at work every day and being like I want to go home and draw this or I'll have like five windows like hidden in the one of those like layers on the desktop and being like oh I want to just like come back oh my god my boss is here okay like alt tap to another, to another window that relates to work, you know? So I feel like that was one of those things that I realized, okay, this is something that I just really need to focus on. And because I met, like, Colin, you guys will meet him later, but he worked for himself, and he really, like, encouraged me a lot to just, like, go for it. And I felt like that was a really awesome inspiration in my life. That's so. great. And we'll talk, when we bring Colin up on stage, we'll talk a little bit more about freelance life and business and yeah. all of that. Um, yeah. I want to talk about your work um, and specifically the how you incorporate aspects of the female form and some of your yeah. pieces are more provocative than others to me they're all a celebration of women and women's yeah. bodies um, so do you consider yourself a feminist and is there any goal or a message that you're trying to send through that work yeah I feel like I've always been fascinated in female body just because I think sex is one of those topics as like in my family and my upbringing it's so tabooed and that I've always been curious about it. And even in this society, American society, it's still very tabooed, even though it's like so natural. And I think a lot of crimes by serial killers are all sex crimes. And that's something I read on crimelibrary.com or something. <laughs> like seriously, like all that stuff is related because people just like, I don't know what happened, but like sex is such a part of who we are as people. I think if we just accept it and just learn to like come to terms with it and the natural aspect of it, it wouldn't be so creepy. And because of that, I think that's why there's so many like gender roles. And so I think um, when I first started drawing, like especially after college, when I was a little bit more um, open with myself, I, I drew a lot of like sexual things. Like I was very inspired by like porn. I mean, I still am, but especially so like the BBW porn, because I thought like the bodies are so interesting. And I had a really negative response to that. It, that was like in 2010, I would say. And people were just like, why are you doing this? Is this for like attention? Is this for like, what are you trying to do out of this? But it was just more like, I'm inspired by the forms and how natural everything becomes and is. And I think New York is a place where, for the first time, I feel like there's a platform for people to really express themselves without, I mean, people might judge you, and that's fine, but there's also people that support you. And I, like, have met a lot of people like that here. And because of that, I think I'm just really getting into it. But I also want to, like, look at body form, not just the female body form as that. But yes, of course, the female body, because I'm, I'm a woman, so. Yeah. And because women's bodies are... And they're beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> I mean, like, no offense, men. But Your bodies are beautiful too, men. But like, women's bodies are the best. Yeah, I think we can all agree. <laughs> um, and what does your family think about those pieces? Like, do you guys have open they discussion about your work? Don't know. Or they're just like, that My mom's exist. like, why don't you draw flowers in, like, waterfalls, you know? I'm like, cool, mom. You're the best. She, like, went on my Twitter one day and downloaded all my pictures, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's bad. 
Okay, I'm Seriously. just impressed that your mom knows about Twitter. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I'm like, what? Wow, okay. You're like, hey, so, mom, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, have, you do commercial work. You do personal yeah. work. You also teach. You mm-hmm. teach mobile design. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been teaching, and how did you get involved in that? I've been teaching for this. I, I'm not doing next term, but I've been teaching for like a year and a half. And I got involved with it because I went to speak at a friend's class, and they also teach um, at Parsons. They teach park design. And I just felt like, wow, there's a lot of female students here, a lot of them. And a lot of them are, like, interracial, like, you know, like, international. They're, like, every, you know, I feel like there wasn't a lot of that representation at Parsons. And maybe I'm wrong, but especially in the design department. So... I spoke to the director of BFA, and then we just t- talked about it. And that was the time when I was also doing product design, so it made sense. Um, right now, I'm trying to transition that role into something that's a little bit more aligned with art and illustration and design, more like more visual sense. Because right now, like I feel like mobile design. Like every time I talk to my students, I'm just kind of like, I don't. Nobody downloads apps anymore. So, and a lot of them are like, Why are we in this class? And like, I don't know. Why are you in this class? No, it's more than that. It's a lot more than that. But it's a lot of like thinking about why, like, how do you think about the world? And I'm trying to impart that on the students that come through. So. Um, Awesome. Well, maybe you can transition that into something that is more fitting for the work that you're focused on now. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, So I imagine teaching is very challenging, but also rewarding. So what, how how has it been rewarding for you, or what have you learned about yourself through teaching? Um, I think being a teacher, at first I thought you had to know everything, but you actually don't. You learn with the students, which I thought was a really great lesson. I I think that lesson was just kind of like all the teachers that you will have will always learn with you, the best teachers at least. And it's a really good lesson on life in general because you think maybe you're at like top of your game now, but you're going to learn something new and just be open-minded to that and just try for it. And that was the the biggest lesson I've learned from teaching. Because when I first started, I was, like, hyperventilating, like, not really not sure, like, how to structure the class or, like, how to talk to the students and guide them. But I realized, like, everybody just needs support, like, a support system. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I'm sure that you get a lot of questions from students, like, what do I do with my life? How do I do this? How do I do that? Um, what's some yeah. of the best advice that you offer to students? That you'll never know what you're going to do with your life. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> At any age. Like, ever. I mean, I mean that's, just, that's my advice for myself. Like, I've seen a lot of people that I feel like are really prolific, but then I'll meet them and I'll talk to them. They're like, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know what I'm doing, but it's just one of those things. You just accept that, like, you know, life is going to take curves and, like, throw you curveballs and... You know, like, you might want to do this thing one day and this the other day. And I feel like it's always, like, a learning experience. Because once you know what you're going to do, like, what's next? Like, might as well just die. You know? I'm just kidding. Don't die. <laughs> We're going to end this. getting sh- really morbid. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> We're going to end the show on that. Yeah. You just, just die. <laughs> Just die. No, you just, just kill our vibes. No, no. Um, no, that's good. Yeah. I think it's an ongoing exploration. Yeah, at any it age. is. And it's funny yeah. because I've spoken to so many people who look like on the outside they totally have their shit together, which they do. You know, they're they're making a yeah. living. Yeah. They're doing they're doing work that they love. They're getting paid. Um, but internally, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I just really liked this work, or I said yes to this job I didn't know how to do, and now now I know how to do that. Um, so 
if you, yeah, I think like just talking to people and, and seeing what's actually like going on internally is very interesting to me yeah. because like what you're seeing on Instagram or, or what, what's oh, going yeah. on on the outside is like inside we're all freaking out. So if you're freaking out inside, or if you freaked out inside today about work or anything you want to do in life, we're all with you. It may not be work. Like you might have a relationship that's falling apart or your family's falling apart or like friendship. Like there's a lot of stuff happening. Wow. That went really deep anyway. <laughs> I love it. We're getting we're getting creative, professional business yeah, and guys. life advice so from Shauna X. That's wonderful. Look, you've likely heard of MailChimp, and there's a good reason why. More than 15 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. But here's something you might not know. You can run Facebook ad campaigns right from MailChimp. Use the same simple design tools they give you for email to create great-looking ads. You can target ads at your audience or people similar to them, which is a great way to reach new customers. Track sales, customers, and subscribers, all in one unified dashboard for both advertising and email. If you're looking to up your email game or try your hand at a Facebook ad campaign, MailChimp has the tools you need to grow your company in a way that feels right for you. We want to thank them for supporting the Great Discontent podcast. MailChimp. Send better email. Some more stuff. I think we're ready to bring up our second guest. So I have, yeah. I have a nice little intro for him here that I'm going to read. Our second guest is a New York-based photographer and adventurer at heart. He has a penchant for traveling, capturing people in their environment, and connecting both young and experienced brands to their audience through visual storytelling. He has worked for clients including Target, Warby Parker, Ogilvy & Mather, Wired, GQ, lots and lots more that I'm not going to read right now, and others. Please give a warm welcome to Colin Hughes. All right, welcome, Colin. Hi, everybody. So I, we had the privilege of interviewing you for TGD, uh, August 2012, I think. It was almost five years ago now. And it's been really incredible to watch your career grow and see who you're shooting and working for these days. So I wanna revisit your interview a little bit, and then I have some questions for the two of you. So. You have a Colin, you have a degree in architecture and you started shooting bands when you were in college. Um, so tell me like briefly cliff notes of how you went from that to working photographer. <laughs> Can we sum that up quickly? Yeah, that'll, that spans, <laughs> a, I don't know, nine year, 10 years. That's not that long, I guess. But uh, let's see. So in high school, I started doing a lot of photography. I grew up in a really small town in Minnesota. So another Midwest. Uh, person right here um there wasn't a lot to do so uh i i don't know photography was something that i enjoyed um and i was also i played bass in a metal band so also did like screaming vocals if you ever want to hear it sometime maybe we'll party later um anyway yeah so i started shooting bands and i went to school at university of minnesota twin cities where i studied architecture um the music scene there is super tight uh, there's a lot of, you know, it's, I mean, like the creative scene here, you know, you just like, once you get in with a band, you're in with a lot of bands. Um, so that was when MySpace was big. So a lot of photos that I would shoot for, like, I, you know, I shot pho photos of bands at live shows and then they'd be like, oh my God, this is so sick. Can you take my photo? I'm like, yeah, I can take that photo. And I'd shoot portraits of them. And I was like, this is so cool. Like coming from a small town, having the opportunity to meet lots of different people and 
take their portrait or like you know go out and spend a day with them is really interesting you get to meet somebody new and like get to know them a little better um so that was a that, those are very formidable years in like helping me get to know other people helping understand how to interact with someone make them feel comfortable um lots of different things so um while i was in school i was you know like I'm at my desk drawing, making models, and then I'm, like, out taking photos. And um, I started shooting a lot of, like, different portraits, just people that I was inspired by, and that helped me build a book. Um, And then I got, you know, hired to, like, shoot something here in New York, and then I was like, oh, my God, New York City, I've been one time in my life. What's that? Um, So, yeah, it was, like, it was, I guess, while I was going through school and towards the end of school, I was starting to shoot a lot more people and get more opportunities to get outside of, you know, everything I'd ever known. Um, and that, uh, I guess that transition sort of slowly happened over these years. So when I graduated, I was looking for a place here. Um, and that, I guess it was kind of like a, I guess it's really difficult to summarize this, but yeah, it was like I was shooting lots of different people and putting different work out and meeting lots of different photographers, even seeing different types of work, um, getting to understand what it, I always, I guess I always came at photography, like, uh, from a business perspective, because, you know, my dad, my mom, they're both self-employed, but they're both business focused. Um, my mom's a chiropractor. My dad's, uh, I guess, I don't know. He's, what is he? Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> he's he's a finance guy, let's just say that. Um, so they didn't really understand creativity in a sense and how to make a business out of it, but they knew how to make a business. So um, I think I've always been creative, but I never n- understood how deep that went. Um, so I came at photography in a more of a sustainable way. I was like, I wanted, sh- I shot a lot of weddings in Minnesota because, well, everybody gets married at 23. So it's... <laughs> It just it's a it's a it's something that funded like oh I need new gear I need to do these things so I learned how to run a business learned how to interact with lots of different people learned how to um, manage money uh, travel uh, lot just like everything in a very early at a very early age that helps sort of set me up for a career in New York that um, you know now that I, like I have a rep that's based here um, I. You know, I travel mostly for my jobs, which is really fantastic. It's an awesome opportunity. Um, But, you know, it all kind of came from this time where I spent a lot of time with lots of different people, learning from different people, um, and just trying to just absorb a lot of different things. I'm really glad that you touched on the fact that you did wedding photography for a time because that was something that we had talked about when I interviewed you. And I think a lot of photographers... um, don't want to shoot weddings when they're starting out because they're like, oh, I just want to do portraits and lifestyle and like all the cool stuff. <laughs> but weddings are freaking hard. I'm not a photographer, disclosure, but I know from photographers I've spoken to, like weddings are so hard. You're dealing with the dynam- dynamics of the people. People could be fighting. You're directing large groups of people. Like there's so much you learn through doing that. So like totally. that time period shooting weddings for you was really like a period of growth and like learning the basic skills that you could later apply to the stuff you really wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone here been to a wedding before? I'm pretty sure we all have been. If anyone's shot a wedding, I mean, they can be 50 to 250 people. They, you know, I mean, you're changing venues, you're changing lighting, you're changing, um, I mean, personality types based, like, in New York or versus Minnesota. Like, you've got 
in a barn or you've got on a rooftop. Like as a photographer that it is just, there is so much information that you can, you know, take in from these experiences. I've shot over 250 weddings uh, in my life, which is so insane, but it's happened. Um, But yeah, weddings prove to be like a very uh, fundamental sort of like place to learn how to operate camera, interact with people, be on like on your toes all the time 12 13 hours for a whole day two in a weekend like it's intense um and it was kind of amazing also doing that while I was in school I think I had all the energy as a when I was younger so <laughs> it went to a good place um and now when you know when I'm on set when I shoot a lot of commercial stuff you know you've got agency you've got client you've got your team you've got your producer, you've got everybody you've got to kind of be touching with, and then you've also got to show up with a product at the end of the day that makes everybody happy. Um, and so I operate really well in those kind of spaces because I'm very comfortable with just sort of managing that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I guess that's how I'm who I am now. So weddings, wedding photography made you who you are? Crazy, right? <laughs> Don't um, say no to weddings if you want to do photography. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying, right? Um, so five years ago, uh, when we talked, you were again, you were like just you. I think you were a year out of college. You were building your portfolio and sh- starting to shoot jobs here in New York. Um, and I'm and you've grown so much since then. Gotten all the I don't know about all the dream jobs. I'm sure there's more dream jobs, but you've you've shot a lot of people. It's been it's been really exciting to watch your career blossom. Thank you. And so I'm wondering. Um, you mentioned business a minute ago. I'm wondering, like in the last five years, what is um, the most important business lesson you've learned about? Because you know you're running a business. Yes, you have a rep now, but um, you know you still like you're still a freelancer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, as a, the deeper I get into being more of a creative, cause I'm kind of coming at it the opposite way. I started more learning the business side and now I feel myself wanting to be much more of an artist and coming at it from an art perspective. Um, uh, especially, well, thanks to her. Um, I don't know. Um, that's a really difficult question. Uh, I guess. Hmm. Any practical business advice practical that you would give to advice? freelance photographers? Huh. What do they need to do to get their business in order? Hmm. I think my dad always taught me that like you become what you think about. So it's kind of like you always start with like a top, like an overarching approach. What is it that you envision yourself you want to be? And then break it down. Um, and sort of in a, it's a very practical way of looking at things. And in the creative field, it's so easy to be like swayed by impractical things. Oh my God, that looks amazing. I want to do that too. Or like, this looks so good. Or I love this product. I love this brand. Like there's just a lot of like arbitrary sort of ambiguous sort of things that you can follow in the creative field. But when it comes to being sustainable, it's like, well, I got to feed myself at the end of the day. Um, and I think as long as I sort of keep that bottom line healthy enough to support what, however I want to live my life, um, you know, that everything else is great. I have, as long as I can do that, I have enough time and freedom to make the work I want to make. Um, I can explore whatever creative avenue I want to go down. Um, but, you know, it's that bottom line to me, I guess, always sort of is very important. So it's, you know, 
what do I want to be? And then how do I get there? That's good. Your dad gives good advice. Yeah, he's amazing. Thank you, dad. Thanks, dad. So five years ago, you were, again, starting out, building your career. I imagine you were a little bit anxious. Like, how is this going to go? I just moved to New York. I'm freaking out a little bit inside. Um, And now you're living here, paying your bills, getting work. So if you could go back and talk to yourself five years ago, is there any, anything you'd say, any advice you'd give to yourself? Hmm. Probably, uh, just trust yourself. Honestly, I've always had really good intuition. Um, and I've always made really good decisions for myself. I mean, I, growing up in a small town, I'm sure a few of you have at least grown up in a town of, uh, you know, small amount of people. I don't know. I, mine was 5,000. I don't know if anyone else can top that. Uh, but that place doesn't foster an idea of intuition. It is all about everybody knows what's going on in your life. They know what you're doing. Um, you know, so it's very easy to just want to do what's normal. Um, and intuitively to me, I just, I never mixed with my hometown. I never mixed with people there. And my mom always said that, you know, I was just different, which didn't make sense because I'm a white dude. Like, um, I grew up in middle-class America. Like, I'm ever, like everybody. So it didn't, you know, it was really difficult to, like, understand what that actually meant. Um, but I think uh, intuitively, like, I always knew that I wanted to be something else. I wanted, I had qualities I'd never used. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was just, I'd just tell myself to, you know, trust that intuition, go for it. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So I have some questions for both of you now. Great. Yeah. Are you ready to jump back in, Shauna? You were oh, taking yeah. a little <laughs> a little siesta over there. Oh, gosh. Um, so actually, so <laughs> I, at first. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So I want to <laughs> reference actually something that Colin said yeah, when I interviewed yeah. him, but this question is for both of you. Um, we were, he was talking about this, you, Colin, you were talking about this idea of finding something you can believe in and following it down the rabbit hole. And so I want to quote you on this. Um, you said, don't be scared. When you're scared, you don't allow yourself the freedom to explore and test your limits. You don't allow yourself the chance to do what you want. Don't be too timid to get out of your comfort zone, to try new things, to explore and to be excited. Find something you can believe in and follow it down the rabbit hole. So you've done that. It's good, right? Wow. It's good. <laughs> I wow. Said that. that was wise. Very wise. Who knew? So <laughs> you have you have done that with photography, and Shauna, it sounds like you've done that with your career as well. You know, not really knowing how it's going to pan out, yeah, but I, just jumping in and following it. I think it's okay to be scared, though. Like now, I'm like listening to your quote. I'm like, it's totally okay to be scared. Just like. Don't let your insecurities and fears hold you back, right? Because I think being scared is a good thing. I think it's normal to yeah. be scared. I once had a mentor, you know, I was making a decision that I was really scared about, and she's like, exa- same exact thing. It's okay if you're scared. Be scared, but do it anyway. I think yeah. many of us, you know, just because you take an action doesn't mean that you have to be fearless. Like, exactly. bravery is being afraid and doing it anyway. So be afraid and do it anyway. Um, yeah. So my question is, you know, I guess it's really like what you posed in that quote and that beautiful quote, Colin, is that it's really, <laughs> it's really about following your curiosity and seeing where it leads. And I want to address this idea of like find and follow your passion because that puts so much pressure on us. And this is something I like to talk about often. It's kind of my soapbox. So if you've heard me speak before, like I love talking about this because I really hate the idea of find and follow your passion because 
who knows what their passion is. And I think sometimes your passion is something that you start out doing and it becomes your passion over time, right? Or you just kind of like randomly discover it. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on this idea of follow your passion versus this idea of following your curiosity and how has that played out in, in both of your careers and how does it take the pressure off of us when we just say, choose an idea and follow it down the rabbit hole? I think I was really practical because I had all that, like, have some savings, go to college, get a career. So actually by the time when I was able to be free creatively, that was when I was very stable. So I forgot to mention that. I think that's actually really important for anybody to be able to be as expressive as they can be. Because if you have situations where like money or like housing or anything that is crumbling that is really important to you, it's kind of hard to be liberated from that. And I think that passion is great, but also be weary of the things that you need to feel stable enough to, for that passion to you know, come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I didn't want to shoot weddings because, well, there's a stigma with them. I mean, weddings aren't, like, you say, oh, I'm a wedding photographer. And people are like, huh. Like, it's not, I mean, it's not the most honor, I mean, weddings actually, to, in my opinion, like, if you look at it with a, an objective point of view, like, you create work for people that they love forever. I mean, what could be better? What art director is going to love everything you shoot? Nobody. So, like, um, weddings were my chance at stability because I needed that before I could really actually do what I wanted to do. So, yeah, I think stability is incredible. It's, uh, it's very important to give yourself space. And in order to, like, know what your passions are, in order to, like, um, act on any passion or thing you want to follow, you do need to have some sort of space for it you need to and if you don't have space in your life for it or time it's like how do you actually do it um so yeah i would argue that you know what's your baseline how can you what's your baseline and you know and then from there figure out okay i want to i want to do this um yeah, I think that's an important point because if you can't pay your rent, if you don't have anywhere, have anywhere to live, if you can't buy groceries, like you're like fuck your passion. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean it's exactly. great, but it, yeah, it's a great. It might fail. It's a great idea. But you need you need those other life things in place. So like, you know, you were doing wedding photography, you were doing work that paid yeah. the bills, and then from there, you know, I think there's this idea that we can just leap into our into the thing that we're excited about. But I think, you know, sometimes like our day job can be the platform for our dream job, or you can do things that pay the bills. You can do things that are creatively fulfilling. They might not always be the same thing. Sometimes there will be overlap. Um, So yeah, thank you both for sharing about that. Um, So I want to get a little personal now that we're into the show. Some of you might wonder why these two are guesting together tonight. Some of you know because you're their friends. We want to know. You want to know. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Or if you follow either of them on Instagram, you will know that they are in a relationship. We're mating. Just kidding. (laughs) kidding. What did you say, Shauna? I was just joking. She said... (laughs) She said we're mating. <laughs> yeah, no, not. Which is not Not true currently, at all. I guess. It's kind of funny to say. Like, next time you guys, okay, if you guys are in a relationship and you, people are like, what are you up to with your boyfriend? Just be like, I'm mating. See what they say. 
Have you said that before? And what kind I'm of? I'm gonna do it you're starting today. Do it. <laughs> okay. The next Shauna X idea. Yeah, the next anyway. the next Instagram series of yours is just you you saying Me mating. that you're mating. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, I don't. Was, that's I was terrible. gonna say it would be just people's responses when you oh. say that. Oh, I wasn't taking a good it idea. that far. I was like, that's a little bit intense. Anyway, <laughs> a little intense. Submissions. Um, are welcome. So I actually I don't know how you guys met. Do you, who wants to? <laughs> is this a oh this is a good story? Which one of you wants to enlighten oh, me? I love to share it. We met through a guy named Tim Durr. <laughs> I don't know Tim. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. Actually, go ahead. Who's Tinder? Yeah, we met on Tinder. It was amazing. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is so amazing. I feel like I've never <laughs> met anyone who's met on Tinder and it worked out. I know. Yeah, we should be the cover face it, of Tinder. Two and a half Just years. Just kidding. And it's still all right. Wait, <laughs> but I feel like you guys, I feel like you guys would have known each other anyway through mutual friends, but you had to use Tinder. Well, we did have two crazy. mutual friends. On Tinder. Wow. Well, Two? I mean, well, I guess through Facebook, Connect, whatever. One was in Japan and one was in LA, I think, or Portland. I don't know. I don't remember, but oh, okay. I do remember there being two dots. <laughs> Never mind. So you guys, honestly, Should I, we go I back? moved to New York to Let's have fun. Let's open up Tinder right now. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna check it? So you guys yeah. met and sparks flew. Yeah, I wasn't no. trying to get serious with anybody. This was like, so she had moved to. That is the goal. With she moved Tinder, to New York right? and was in her breakup. Yeah, she was and I was like, like "Woo, New I need York. space. I'm going to New York. See ya." And I didn't know this, so th that was like August, and then we met in end of November, like yeah. via Tinder. Minka Ramen. Anybody get ramen I've been at there. Minka? Yeah. So that was our first date. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And he would it, not stop texting me, and I was I like, I was pretty Fine. stoked, honestly. I'm just kidding. She was hilarious because she would entertain any conversation I would give her, which is like amazing because I have terrible <laughs> jokes. So wait, she laughed at your jokes, and you're like, this is uh, happening. Did you? I don't like. I just thought it was funny because it was like laughing at him. She just kept egging yeah. me on. I was like, Sick. it was great. <laughs> it anyway, was fun. Yeah, yeah. So we we hung out. The first day was great. I don't know. And the second day was great. So it was just like, okay, well, we did that for like six months. And then we're like, are we still dating or what are we doing? Yeah. Oh, so you defined it at six months? Is that, was that uh, your... When did you You're like, hey, it? we're still hanging out. Like a year. <laughs> 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 okay, wait, wait. I mean, it was like after... Okay, it was after we, we traveled together. We went... Yeah. We did... We went to Norway. And I was like, oh, I'm going with some guy... <laughs> I'm dating. And then after that, I think that was good. <laughs> we I, had to, okay. I, was, I was in Wait, after like two It was months, after so I, was I like... bathed him. Okay, we were at a hostel in Norway where there was, okay, if you had to take a shower, it was $10. I was like, hell no. I am paying $10 currency. for a hot shower. And then so there's a sink next to the shower that was like, that had, had hot, hot water. water. And Colin was like, Oh, why don't you scoop some hot water and dump it on me, right? I, no, I was like, why, go yeah. get the go get the bottle. And you're oh, yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And she came back with, with it, two, two bottles. empty water bottles yeah. and filled and them we, up with hot water. We showered gave each me other. One, and then I showered yeah. with it. She'd fill up the next one. Yeah, it was and great. And it was just like the best hot shower. And then that you've was ever when had. I knew I was in a relationship. That was, team, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that, was that was teamwork. <laughs> that was the moment I'm like, yeah, okay, he's my boyfriend. <laughs> That is really the best story I think I've ever heard on TGD Live. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so thank you, Tinder. 
um, for Thank that you, experience. Tinder. Tinder, if you ever want to sponsor us, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to ask each of you, like, what, I don't know, in past relationships, if you've dated people who are creative or who work more traditional careers, but what is it like for each of you to be in a relationship with someone who also works in a creative and non-traditional field? Oh, wow. <laughs> you go. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I guess when, when, when Sean and I met, we were both, uh, I guess I was already sort of established in my freelance career. Um, so it was, it felt like I was kind of giving her guidance and how to navigate a lot of it because her work was, you know, I guess gaining traction. Oh yeah. Um, when I met her, like she, like she had really good work, but like was obviously here discovering herself and kind of like, you know, trying to find what it was. She had a, I mean, from the moment I met her, she had a really strong voice. So it was like, um, I just tried to, you know, support whatever it was that she wanted to do. Um, and so kind of like seeing that from afar was really awesome. But us personally, it was kind of like she was trying to further herself in her creative feel or no, I guess in her practical ways of being a freelance artist. And I was like trying to further myself in personal ways. And so it was kind of, I guess now it's, she's always there for my emotional support because I need an outlet. I always need to talk to somebody. Um, and that's been super helpful for me to just sort of like have some stability in my emotional self. Um, professionally, she also sort of <laughs> challenged me. Actually, I'm going to, every time I edit, I'll go through and do an edit of some shoot, whatever it might be. And she'd be like, this is too yellow. I mean, like, it's true, though. <laughs> and then, but every time, every time. And I'm like, but I, it's negative 20% in the yellow channel. There's no yellow in this at all. She's like, it's so yellow. <laughs> it never ends. It's always yellow. So I, it's funny. I, <laughs> I don't know. I look for her. I, she's much more a, con a conceptual person. Whereas I'm um, a little more pragmatic in the way I make my decisions in terms of creative. She's, she has like the ability to see and create things that aren't there in a way like that you would never think of. Um, they're just, I'm here and she's right over here seeing it from a different point of view, um, which is super cool. Um, she also like recognizes a lot of the other talents I might have um, you know, in architecture, building models, I'm very spatial and like, like to be in things. Um, so she's really good at sort of just helping, like supporting me and like developing other skills or talents that I might Thanks. have. Um, yeah, that's a long winded yeah, approach. Yeah, that was great. That. Um, I, I, I feel, feel like warm and fuzzy right now. Yeah. I feel like we have very different aesthetics, though, and that was always one of those things that really challenged me because um, Colin's work is very classic. Like, it's very timeless, and mine's just kind of like, wah! Like, I don't know if, if anyone's seen my work, it's kind of all over the place, in, especially in terms of, like, colors and, like, what the concept is and whatnot. So it's been interesting to be with somebody that is so different aesthetically, like, with their own personal work, but I also appreciate that a lot because it gives a lot of perspective to my own work as well. 
So I'm very like in the moment organic and he's very like goal oriented in terms of being creative. So I think that works out a lot in that sense. As a projects collaboration, we're trying to like get better at that. Because I feel like um, I have an ego. I realize dating him, I have an ego in my creative work and I never thought I did before. I was always like, I'm so collaborative, but I'm like actually not at all. Um, <laughs> Which is like, I think it's bad because like, I think that's important to be, is to be collaborative and like work with other people. Like, I think you can make better work by working with other people. So I'm challenging that right now. So it really helps. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you guys had collaborated on anything. Are you, are there any plans we or have. ideas that you have? Have we've, you? we've collaborated, like, remember those photos, like that weird body shoot we did? Oh God, yeah, I just looked at that today. <laughs> Uh, we, yeah. in your studio, Brad's studio, uh, yeah. we shot naked photos of ourselves. Artistic, okay. <laughs> but like, you know, telephoto lens, super cropped. Yeah. So it's just a lot of like shapes and body part kind of things. But it was like, I don't know, that was like six months in or eight months in. Yeah. I don't know. It was like kind of a fun. More personal projects for sure. Yeah. It was yeah. just, we do a lot of shit just for the hell of it. Like. And yeah. we don't do anything with it, but it's kind of fun. Um, yeah. Which is it's nice. It's nice to have just, I feel like a lot of a lot of days, like people just create work and they want to post it or like share it. But sometimes it's nice to just have a collection of work you don't share with anybody and just have it for yourself. Yeah. And we have a lot of that, I think. Like your Netscape show, like. Oh yeah, he helped me. I had a, a solo show like last October. It was like, um, it was like a painting show where I'm mostly digital. So for this one to be all canvas and acrylic based, and I did a mural as well. It was like very hectic, and I make I slaved Colin <laughs> for sure. Well, I was like, can you help me paint this? I, I'm the one that's very <laughs> meticulous, and I like yeah, the clean lines. Yeah, I'm very and her messy. Her work is incredibly clean, but when it comes to actually making stuff, she's just I'm like, like a mess. That's like Donald Trump. Like, sorry. Yeah. No, but oh, she wow. is. Thanks. Sorry. Great impersonation. No, well, I'm just he, kidding. No, he, sorry. he was, no, I, I, honestly, it, like, she, everything about her style is, like, all over the place. But her work is, like, the product is, like, not that way at all, which was fascinating to me. Um, so, like, to create paintings of her digital work is really, it needs to be, clean it needs to be yeah it needs to you know translate it's a different material whatever um and so i i mean she basically did all the drawings and then you know we projected them and then you know she would like say this is the color here this is the color here and then you know yeah. i basically just fine-tune everything and make sure that it was all nice and neat because i love doing that stuff um yeah that's what happens when you get cornered into a type of art i'm just kidding that was like bitterness coming out wait what well, like, I'm just saying, like, yeah, once I had, like, a that. very specific style, you had to stick into that style. You know what I mean? Anyway. anyway. Off subject. We are working on something else. <laughs> yeah. That you can't talk about. Do you mind if I talk about your... Talk about it. You can give cool. us a hint. Wait, oh. what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe talk about... Okay. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. Cool. So, yeah, because... I'm coming from, like, sh I need more of a personal support from her in a way, like an emotional support. I'm, like, trying. I used to be like this emotionally. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to just be, like, nice and even. And she's helped me a lot with that. But creatively, she's, and I'm trying to just, like, level her out a little bit. Um, 
but she's both of us are highly visual thinkers. We love to see things visually, and I like to be in things. She likes to see it visually. Like you should hear the dreams she comes up with every morning. She's like, you should hear my dream. Um, you'll be like, whoa. Uh, anyway, so uh, a lot of the things that I do to like convey how I'm feeling or a, a concept or something are metaphorical. So I use visual ways of describing or like visual storytelling to describe what I might be feeling or this concept I'm thinking of, um, which is kind of fun. And so recently, um, she's been working on this story since you were in college, right? Yeah. Um, and I, we were talking about this concept of, you know, everybody has a garden. Like, an, uh, you know, we're all, if you had to describe your, if you had a garden inside you, your soul, whatever, if you had to describe it visually, it, it, does it have walls? Is it a maze? Is it made out of stone? Is it, you know, high walls? Lower walls? Anyway, that kind of thing. Um, how would you describe yourself as a garden? And so we're working on a story, a, a visual thing that she's going to be creating visually uh, that is about that concept, um, which has been really, that's kind of been our biggest breakthrough together, which I'm very excited about. She's been sidetracked by lots of work on it so we haven't worked on it yet but the story is fleshed out and yeah creating that kind of thing is really exciting to me because I've never had the opportunity to do such a thing I guess right yeah for sure what did you say anything oh you said it all. okay sorry <laughs> that sounds awesome I like how you guys seem to have very like complimentary like skill sets and even like demeanor like just personality wise like, you guys complement each other very well um, nice work, Tinder, again. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Good work. I say thanks, Tim. Tinder. <laughs> um, so I have, I have one, I guess, last topic or question that I want to ask you guys. Um, you've both been working in your careers for a while, but you still have so, so far to go when you think about what lies ahead, right? Um, right. It's kind of daunting. Um, you have a lot of time to build your body of work. And as you think about what you might leave behind one day, I want to touch on this idea of legacy um, and what you might pass down to the next generation or leave behind for your community. Um, and I actually want to start with something that Colin mentioned five years ago when I interviewed him because I also asked him about legacy. Um, so I want to revisit that. Colin, when I asked you five years ago, you said, I'd like to be remembered as a guy who didn't live vicariously through anyone but who tried to experience life as much as one person can. So let's start with you. Do you still feel the same about that? Would you like to add to that? Have you thought more about legacy in terms of work and or your personal life? I mean, yeah. I, that's a I really, know, it's a hard a really question. question. That's why know. we saved it for last. I feel like I've been very long-winded on all my answers, so I'd love to just say something. No, it's good. It's, it's good. Go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I th I think for all of us that that statement that I said a long time ago rings true. I mean, we all want to understand who we are individually. What what makes us special? What is it that we offer to other people and you know the world around us? Um, you know, I think uh, that's my. I think that's like that's actually the. Huh. That's like one of my biggest focuses is under trying to understand myself a little bit more. Um, I I think I in my 
earlier years, I, I defaulted to letting the outside world influence me to understand myself. Um, you know, going out to lots of different places and, you know, meeting lots of different people and trying to, you know, letting that sort of influence how I feel about the world, which I think is, uh, you know, I had a really great time doing and, a, you know, it's a really great experience, but it, it didn't come from within. Um, and so now it's kind of swinging back the other way and trying to, you know, explore myself a little bit more, you, you know, just... Um, try to delve into a lot of the places that I didn't explore while I was out there, you know, like a lot of those things inside that I'm scared about or worried about or, you know, didn't ever really touch on in my early years. I'm trying to do a lot of that. Um, and I think that's where most of my personal work will probably come out of because I have focused more on commercial work and like, you know, creating stuff that is lasting, but advertising is not lasting. So it's like, what do I do? <laughs> so yeah, a lot of I think a lot of personal work that I'm doing is informed by that, and how do I connect with the world a little bit more? Um, how do I understand myself better? That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And Shauna, what about you? Have you thought about legacy or what you might leave behind or pass down? I just know that I want to be buried as a tree. Like I just want to be a. I want my ashes need to be become like part of a tree, and I want to be a tree. That's it. <laughs> And also that I, I have a Dropbox link with all my work, and Colin knows where to find it. <laughs> it's in her will. I feel like legacy, it's like everyone everyone thinks they're special, and that's one of those things I'm battling right now. It's like everyone wants to be special. Everyone's like, oh, I'm different than the rest. I'm like so much more unique. I'm so awesome. I'm expected to do this and that. But it's like in the end, you're just like, I don't know, you're special to people that are closest to you. And I think that's what matters the most. And ultimately, when I die, I just want to be able to have a legacy with the people around me and who I'm close to. And that's it. And like, if my work lives on, that's great. If it doesn't, I'm dead. So it doesn't really matter. So, and I'm a tree. So, like, maybe I'll be an apple tree and people will eat my apples. And that's great. So, I really am. That's like kind of my concept of death is that is, I, I don't know, like the legacy is just like very serious and I wanna try to like understand what that even is. So, yeah. Awesome, well those are all the questions I have for you guys. <laughs> Thank you again for spending the evening with us and for sharing your stories and your time. Um, everyone, Shauna X and Colin Hughes. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Yay. This episode was produced by The Great Discontent and me, Benjamin Welch. The Great Discontent features in-depth conversations with today's artists, makers, and risk-takers. You can learn more at thegreatdiscontent.com. And of course, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a rating in iTunes. It really does help spread the word. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>